I would like to make a few comments. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. We see Americans hating each other, fighting each other, killing each other at home. There is a religious war going on in this country. It is a cultural war. This war is for the soul of America. Because of the way this society is organized, you have to expect that there are going to be such explosions. Our side, our side, our side. We are a people in a quandary about the present. We are a people in search of our future. And as we see and hear these things, millions of Americans cry out in anguish. Did we come all this way for this? It all seems a long way from a time when politics was a national passion and sometimes even fun. a larger scale to fulfill the promise of America. We are met here as Americans, not as Democrats or Republicans, to solve that problem. You're listening to the Pothole Problem Podcast with Jack Miller. Keep up the good work. Today, on the Pothole Problem Podcast, we are going to be talking about the length of presidential campaigns. Good evening, Dad. Good to see you, Zane. Good to see you, too. So, presidential campaigns, they take about a year and a half. And so, some people might say they're too long. Some of you might say they're just fine. We'll get into that topic later. But for now, I'd like to focus on kind of the context. Is there any history of the length of the presidential campaigns? Was it like a conscious decision? Is it just tradition? Or has it just ended up to that they're this long? Well, you know, the primary system as we have it now dates to the early 70s there have been you know nominating contests for presidents since the 19th century but the way we do it now where there's essentially primaries and caucuses developed in the post watergate era but essentially for the last 40 or 50 years the structure of the system hasn't changed but what has changed is that candidates are declaring far earlier there are active campaigns happening for far longer the candidates who end up getting the nomination declare, you know, a year and a half, sometimes even longer than that, ahead of the general election. Bill Clinton declared right about now in the election cycle, so about a year from the general election, and he went on to get the nomination. The candidates running for the Democratic nomination right now have been running since uh, the earliest official entrants have been running since February. There have already been I don't know how many debates, three, four debates. There were definitely, Something like there was that, definitely a debate yeah. in June, possibly July. So the amount of time that candidates are officially declared and engaging in debates and running for president has lengthened in the last 20 years by, you know, uh, almost a year. Is there a reason why candidates are declaring themselves earlier? Is that like a strategic thing or they just want to get a head start? Well, I think that, you know, it's one of those things where in a way it's a classic arms race. Uh, somebody realizes, okay, it's beneficial to get in early so you can get started getting endorsements, raising money, building your campaign infrastructure. And then when that happens, other candidates see that that is beneficial. So the next election cycle, four years later, people start a little earlier. There are definitely advantages to building your campaign first, or at least early in the process. There's definitely a front runner advantage in nominating politics. Because unlike a general election, which occurs on the first Tuesday of November and everybody is running on the same day, 
the primaries happen over the course of several months themselves. So if you jump out to an early lead, that gives you an advantage in winning. It's not as though all the primaries and caucuses are created equal. The early ones have a bigger influence on the outcome than the later ones. So it just kind of developed naturally. It wasn't like the founding fathers wrote like, oh, a long presidential campaign is necessary for a democratic society. It just kind of happened that way to our system of government voting. Well, the founding fathers didn't actually envision or even want there to be political parties. They didn't foresee the presidential vice presidential ticket. In fact, the original electoral college, as it was written in the constitution, the president was the person who won the most electoral votes. The vice president was the person who came in second so their design was that the runner-up in the presidential election would become the vice president. It wasn't until the 12th Amendment was passed after the election of 1800 that the electors cast separate votes for the president and vice president. And instead of having the vice president be the runner-up of the presidential election, the vice president was the winner of the vice presidential election. And so the party ticket was established pretty early on during the political activities of the founding generation. But they did not intend either for there to be a party system or a party ticket. So what we have right now wasn't envisioned or desired by the people who wrote the Constitution. This podcast is about outrage. And as you can probably guess, some people are outraged or at least kind of annoyed. Why do you think people say they take too long? Like, what are they feeling that makes them want to? That makes them so angry or so annoyed at the length. I would say that right now uh, the presidential campaign is too long. The night of election when Donald Trump was elected, people started talking about 2020 and it was like, this just happened. Overall, just find the length of the elections and the current state of them to be completely obnoxious and just awful to deal with. It's too long because people tune out by the time November actually rolls around. I think that um, a more European approach would be better for America. I think if we started the primaries way later, that could really help. I have a bit of a different opinion on it because I like the length of the election, but I do not like currently how the length is being used. I think you can have a lengthy election if what you are doing is going around and talking to all the voters, because this is a very large country. President represents a lot of people, but right now it's very staggered between certain states that matter more than other states. It'd be nice if we just had like starts in like the summer of like 2020 and then we just do the primaries like boom, 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 and then it's done by November. Primaries are just a mess as a whole. It's just a mess and they need to be much shorter. It could be a much shorter mess, but then I could actually like stomach it. I will be honest with you, part of the reason why I'm covering this is that I don't necessarily understand people's frustration and annoyance or outrage over the length of the presidential campaign. I know it's out there. I've seen it. But I don't necessarily understand why people feel so negatively about it. That kind of leads to our next question. Before we get to that, though, I just have a question. Do you think that people who don't like the length of the presidential election are the people who don't vote or are the people indeed who do vote? No, I, I think that the people who have a problem with it actually do vote because they're the ones who are actually probably paying the most attention to it and are the most beaten down by it. I think that the people who don't vote are probably paying attention to it, or at least they can't avoid paying attention to it. But they don't vote either because they don't like the choice, because there's only two major parties. And for many people who do vote, they often claim that it's a lesser of two evils kind of thing. So people who don't vote, they're not happy with either choice. Or 
and it could be and or they don't feel as though the government serves them much, and so it hardly matters who the president is, so why bother? Yes, but that's maybe a topic for another episode. Absolutely, right. Whether those voters who don't vote are right or not is definitely a different topic. So let's move on. So speaking as a political scientist, what are some advantages to a long presidential campaign, or what are some of the disadvantages? I'll start with the disadvantages as they've been reported to me. Mostly people say that it leads to fatigue, that voters tune out, that there's essentially a presidential campaign, any campaign, but particularly a presidential campaign, can be kind of nasty. And the prolonging of this nasty fight, it can seem like a knife fight, you know, a shorter knife fight is better than a longer knife fight. I think that there's just this idea that people tune out and it is annoying to have there be this thing going on. And part of it, I feel like, is is a certain sort of guilt where it's like, well, if a presidential election is happening... I should be paying attention, but it's just too long. I can't, I can't sustain my attention. To me, I think that if you don't want to pay attention, you really don't have to. I'm one of those political science professors who doesn't believe that you have to be reading the political news constantly. If you read the political news or pay attention to the last one or two debates of a presidential season, if you, if you tune in in mid-September, I believe that you have all the tools and information necessary to make an informed decision So there's no requirement that you do pay attention. Now, of course, if you're in a state where your primary or caucus is going to be an important one for the nomination contest, you can pay attention to that as well, and you should, because voter turnout rates for primaries and caucuses are very low. But again, you can pay attention for maybe two weeks before you have to go to the polls in the winter or spring of the election year. So there's no need to get worn out except that there's this, I think, this kind of strange guilt where, well, there's debates and I'm a politically aware person and so I should pay attention to debates, but it's June of 2019. Why do I have to pay attention to a debate when the election is a year and a half away? I'm a little mystified as to why people think it's problematic. There is one more thing that occurred to me. I do forget this, but I think that because the campaign takes longer, it therefore costs more money. And I know for sure from my 25 years of teaching political science that Americans in general and young people in particular have a huge problem with the role of money in our political system. The longer the campaign is, the more money has to be raised and therefore it just becomes more influential. Money becomes ever more influential. And so I I think that, that the money aspect has got to play a big role. You're listening to the Pothole Problem podcast created by White Tiger Productions. At White Tiger Productions, we create experiences. If you have an idea for a podcast, a workshop, or a show of any kind, we'll help you go from concept to execution. We provide creative direction and production support. We've got a podcast studio, writers and storytellers, sound engineers and editors, designers, videographers, hosts, creative coaches, everything you need to manifest your creative potential. You name it or even vaguely describe it, and we'll take you from dream to finished product. White Tiger Productions. You can do what you think, and we can help you. Visit us at youcandowhatyouthink.com and tell us what you're thinking about. I stand before you today as a candidate for the Democratic nomination for the presidency of the United States of America. I am not the candidate of black America, although I am black and proud. I am not the candidate of the women's movement of this country, although I am a woman, and I'm equally proud of that. I am not the candidate of any political bosses or fat cats or special interests. I stand 
here now without endorsement from many big-name politicians or celebrities or any other kind of prop. I do not intend to offer to you the tired and glib cliches which for too long have been a septic part of our political life. I am the candidate of the people of America. So now let's talk about the advantages. This is where I think you really know your stuff. What are what are some good things about a really long presidential campaign? Right. Well, I think that there are a number of advantages to it that stem from the fact that this is a process that is going to choose a person who is going to not only have a tremendous amount of power and responsibility, but is going to spend four to eight years really nonstop doing the job and also four to eight years essentially cloistered away from the American people. When you are the president of the United States, you do see people, but you're not really able to be out connected among regular Americans. When you see regular Americans, they're brought through the White House. Sometimes you go out and do rallies. Maybe you'll visit a lunch counter now and then to mix with regular people. But as president, for security reasons, and also just because it's an extremely busy job, you do not have a chance to mix with regular Americans. For the year and a half to two years that you're running for president, you're almost exclusively mixing with not just regular Americans, but a lot of them. And you're mixing with a ton of people that you're not going to come into contact with once you're president. And I think that kind of exposure to raw common humanity is really essential for a person whose decisions are going to affect a lot of people. And yet when they go to make those decisions as president, they're not going to be around the people who are going to be living the consequences of those decisions. So... In a way, to me, the length of the campaign is a prolonged exposure to raw common humanity that can really help somebody who's going to be in a position of extreme power and isolation. That's one big thing. So before we go on, if someone brings up the concept of the French election, like French presidential elections, they don't take very long, and yet France seems to be going along fine. Well, sure. I mean, that's the whole argument of like, well, we didn't wear bike helmets when I was a kid, and we all survived. It's like, well, (laughs) except for the kids who didn't, you know, like, sure, it's working. But one, France is a smaller country, and the president of France has less power and less importance and impact on the millions of people. It's easier to know the French people when you're sitting in wherever the French president lives and and works. I don't know the name of it. Honestly, I'm not very good with European politics. And I think the same thing is true of Great Britain. You know, you're the prime minister from 10 Downing Street. You're not nearly as isolated from the British people as the president is in the White House. And so the comparison, I think, doesn't hold up. And also, we don't know how beneficial it would be to the French president to spend a year, a year and a half mixing with the French people. It could it could really be beneficial in a way that we aren't able to see. Okay, so we have advantage number one is they get to mix with the people and really get to know them in a way they might not if they had a shorter campaign. What are some other advantages you can think of? I mean, I think another one has to do with stamina. You're going to be president for 48 years. It's more or less a nonstop job. If you do not know what it's like to work a nonstop job, it can be very taxing. And what what I think we want in our president is somebody who is able to have that kind of stamina. And to me, a year and a half on the campaign trail, while that can 
wear you down a little bit as a uh, candidate. Of course, it's very tiring at the end of it. You're like, oh my God, I've just been through this. It is much like training. So if we think of the presidential term as a marathon and possibly two terms as two consecutive marathons, the year and a half beforehand is training in that kind of really physical stamina and also the stamina of having to make decisions constantly, having to pay constant attention to the news cycle, being enmeshed in issue discussions and strategic discussions. It is mental fitness of having to kind of do that nonstop and being surrounded by advisors and basically never being alone and never being off the clock. So that's advantage number two. Okay. So if you have one more, maybe one more rule of three, should we do three? If, if there's one more you want to do, one, one big one. One more advantage. One more advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, one of the things too, and this I think frustrates people, is that the length of the campaign gives candidates a chance to really feel themselves out on the issues and to adjust where they stand. Now, I, I, I can see this as a negative to a lot of people because they think, oh, they're just out there trying to figure out what people want to hear and then telling it to them. And there is a certain extent to which that's true. But I also think there is a, okay, I'm out here on the campaign trail and I'm talking to regular Americans about things they care about. And I have a position that I've developed over the course of my political career that I think is going to be going to speak to the voters. And then it doesn't work. It doesn't resonate. So I'm going to adjust. So there's a sense in which it's actually a, a positive adjustment. You could see it as waffling or you could see it as following public opinion rather than leading it. And of course, there is a certain amount of that that goes on. But there's course correction that is responsive to the public. So you're out there among the public getting exposure to raw common humanity, and you're also then essentially focus grouping your positions on the issues in a way that I think is very beneficial to, in the end, having policy positions that will resonate with a broad swath of voters that have been tried and adjusted over the course of many months, instead of just saying, here's my policies, here's my positions that I've devised from my essentially high tower of wherever I am before I run. And do you like mine better than this other person's picket? There's an evolution of political position that I think can happen. It doesn't always happen, but it can easily happen. And I think that that is a beneficial thing that that shows responsiveness. And what we want from our leaders of all levels is a responsiveness to the public. That's what a democracy is supposed to be for. I think the listeners can figure this out, but what's your personal opinion? <laughs> like, do you think it's too long? Do you think it's just fine? Or well, do you have some other third opinion? I will, I will tell you this, that my personal opinion is that it is not too long. And I will also confess that I am of the ilk that doesn't pay attention very closely to it until it gets closer to the election. I'm, I'm a political scientist who studies American politics, and I have watched zero of the Democratic debates up to this point. Now, I've read about them, but my attention level to this contest is not at its height. And I don't feel like it makes me a bad political scientist. I don't think it makes me a bad citizen. I know I'll begin paying attention to it as the first primaries in Iowa and New Hampshire arrive, which is even earlier than I would have to as a voter in Oregon. I'm for it for all the reasons I've stated. At the same time, I'm not deeply engaged in the process. I think you can do that and not feel guilty. And I think you can do that and not feel as though you have to be mad at the process that you're not actually paying attention to because the people who want to pay attention to it, they are. And as they say in the South, bless their hearts. I'm not going to tell them not to. If you don't pay attention to it, then it's going to go on without you and you will have your say when the primary or caucus comes to your state. And that's when you should pay attention and decide who you're going to uh, cast your vote for. And by then, 
the candidates will have made various mistakes and gaffes and the news cycle will have cycled through them several dozen hundred times and you will have missed probably nothing of true importance to making your decision as an informed citizen. You say that it's good that, that the presidential elections are long because they can mingle with the people, they can get the stamina, but you're also saying you don't really pay attention to them. So how can like the first point, your first point is about them mingling with the people, but you're not really focusing on the mingling. I don't have to, and no specific American citizen has to actually be paying attention to this for them to have to be doing what they're doing. For one thing, they're going to the Iowa State Fair in you know the fall of 2019, and they're going to these various places. There are 330 plus million Americans. There are plenty of people to interact with who either are paying attention or who are in the grocery store when you know Joe Biden walks through the AMP in Ames, Iowa. Those people are raw common humanity for Joe Biden to kind of connect with. So there are so many people the campaigns can go on for this length of time. They're not going to run out of folks to interact with. And so I don't think it's hypocritical of me to think that the campaign length is a good thing and yet myself not participate in it because there are plenty of people who do. They don't need me reading the news or watching the debate for it to be useful for them, for it to be good practice, for it to test their stamina, for it to help them connect with regular people for them to adjust their policy positions to reflect what they see out there on the campaign trail. Okay, so before we close, are there any other ideas or remarks you'd like to make? Any closing statements, anything? There's nothing uh, that I would add except that if there are people who are listening to this who are frustrated or annoyed or outraged with the length of the presidential campaign in ways that I haven't identified, reach out to me, jack.miller at pdx.edu, or go to the website potholeproblempodcast.com and send me a comment through Facebook or reach me in one of the various ways that are available there. Because I'm always aware of the fact that there may be something that I'm missing out there. I've been teaching American politics for a quarter century, and I think I know an awful lot, but I certainly know enough to know that I do not know everything. Do I understand exactly how people think out there? Obviously not. I think I have some ideas. So there may be things I have left out, and I would love to hear that and have the chance to then reflect and either answer those additional concerns that I haven't thought of yet, or possibly adjust my own view and say, oh, you know, I didn't think of that as a reason to have a problem with the length of the political campaign. I'm always open to changing my mind. So if someone out there wants to try to let me know some problem with this that I haven't thought of, let me know. I'm wide open to it. Okay. That, I think that's it. Thank you so much for talking to me. Well, I thank had, you for interviewing me. This, this was a good interview. I really appreciate your uh, insightful questions. I appreciate your insightful answers. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. that brings us to the end of another episode next week we'll be back with me interviewing a guest instead of being interviewed myself though i will occasionally have my son zane come into the studio and interview me on various topics we clearly have another thing to talk about whether or not voters who don't vote are right or wrong or whether we should be mad at them or whether we should understand why it is that they don't vote so that'll be sometime in the future before finishing up today, I want to thank a few people. I want to thank my students who allowed me to record their opinions on the length of the presidential campaign. I want to thank the Madison High School Marching Band, as well as the Oaks Park organ player, whose music is featured in this episode. 
I want to thank Shirley Chisholm, who we heard from, announcing her run for president on January 25th, 1972, nearly a half century ago. Shirley Chisholm was an amazing and inspirational figure. She was the first black woman elected to Congress. That happened back in 1968. I also want to thank my executive producer, Shannon Emerson, for all of the great feedback and guidance she's provided me in developing this podcast. And I'm going to appreciate her future endeavors in guiding me to keep making this podcast more and more what it could be and what I think is going to be a helpful thing for the world. So thank you, Shannon. I, of course, want to thank my son, Zane, for conducting yet another interview of me. Looking forward to having him back. And as always, I'm going to finish up with some music. This is the Stolen Sweets doing The Sentimental Gentleman from Georgia. They dedicate this song to Jimmy Carter, who, quote, is as old as the hills, but still kicking. I appreciate you listening to the Pothole Problem Podcast. I'm Jack Miller. Thanks for listening, and I hope to have you back next week. Too late is all the time when it comes to love.